on this week's episode of No Green Eggs. We find out which of the stories from the Lion Leprechaun episode is false. Holy bad idea, Batman. And how much for New Zealand? Cue the music. Whoa, 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 stop, 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 stop. No, no, that's all wrong. Not, not that track. Play the new one. Welcome to No Green Eggs and Ham. Podcast about nothing and everything. It's not a show where I take jabs at the infamous Dr. Seuss, but where I tell stories, share some writings, and dive into topics like art, weird inventions, pop culture, and anything having to do with cubby wubby woo woo tea. So throw on some clothes grab a coffee, and ignore your responsibilities as you listen to the just-okay sounds of your host, me, Sam I Am. Here we go. Welcome back to No Green Eggs and Ham. As you just heard, I have a new theme song. It was written by my brother-in-law, Donnie, who also wrote the first one, uh, but that one he did not like as much, and he actually hated listening to it. He's probably the biggest fan on here, um, and he hated listening to the opening and the ending. Uh, so he decided to create something specifically for this podcast in order to replace the original one. And I love it. And, uh, you know, there was no pressure from him. He didn't want me to have to change it if I didn't want to, but it actually worked out because this is more fitting for, for me as well. Um, I'll probably use some of the other one, uh, like little clips here and there for like segues and stuff like that, but maybe not. This one has uh, a lot of cool little riffs on it that uh, I'll be able to use. So we'll see what happens. Either way, I'm very excited, very happy with the outcome. And uh, again, thank you, Donnie. Okay, so let's first start off with the reveal of which story from two weeks ago was true. Now, each story actually has a bit of truth in it. Uh, but only one of them is completely true. First, the story about the graveyard. That graveyard does exist, and we did go there. We did have to drive past uh, the, the caretaker's house, and you have to do it very quietly, without any lights or anything. That way, they don't know you're there. Uh, because you are not allowed to go there uh, unless your family or, uh, I guess, caretakers themselves. But so we we ended up going through there uh, in the dark. It was very difficult. Um, we did actually get out of the car, go into the graveyard. We saw the particular stone that was on its side that people say sometimes isn't. Um, we didn't see any like seesaw or anything. Uh, there wasn't actually. A playground inside of the uh, cemetery. At least that we could see. And I really hope there wasn't because that, that'd be quite odd. Um, and there are tons of shadows. So you do see things. Like you do think that something is there. It's very creepy. But we didn't actually see anything. And we we didn't do the headlight thing. That was 
totally made up. But um, we did actually drive by on our way out and see the person come out of their house and uh, was yelling something. I don't think they had a rifle. Um, but all that's true. What isn't true is we did not see a ghost. Um, so there's that one. The second story. And that one was about the leprechaun. Uh, the leprechaun man in, uh, <clears throat> in Florence. There was a man dressed quite oddly who looked like he was either from Ireland or Scotland. Not sure. Um, but he was not following us. And we saw him towards the end of the night uh, or of our night in Florence. Um, and we did, it was quite shocking. We did come around a corner and there he was, uh, but he wasn't staring at us. He was in this bright, like peach suit with green accents. And the suit was, uh, without pants, it was shorts. Uh, so that's all true. The colors weren't, he looked quite odd and amazing at the same time. He wasn't wearing a hat. Uh, I actually have a picture of him and, uh, maybe I'll put that on my website, but, um, he was not following us around. That was the only time I saw him, so that story was also not true. The final story with the flying pumpkin that's faster than a car, that was true. The pumpkin flew faster than the car, or passed it, and it was just unbelievable. Um, and we had a great great time with that, uh, a lot of laughs. And uh, we actually did drive back up that hill later on just to see, just to make sure he didn't do any damage, because, you know, we... We felt bad, like he he especially felt bad, and um, there was no damage to the car whatsoever. It was, uh, it actually didn't even look like anything hit it, which is great. The pumpkin, on the other hand, uh, when we did find that, it was in pieces, and I don't know why it didn't shatter on impact to the car. It just, it just ricocheted, and uh, yeah, thankfully no one was hurt and nothing was damaged other than a pumpkin. All right, let's get into the meat of this. So my wife and I watched the uh, the new series Loki last night. We just started it. We're, we just started the, the first episode. I have friends and family that have said, why haven't you started it yet? Um, Ed, I've been wanting to see it since inception. Um, but I've also been like, well, you know, it's... They're releasing every week, and in this modern world of Netflix and and streaming, um, you know, it's if it's not if I can't binge it, it's why why even bother? But that's just a ridiculous thing. I grew up in a time where we did have to wait every week, and sometimes during seasons where there's only a couple episodes um, for a couple different weeks, and then they took like half a year off. It you know, so it's ridiculous. But you know, we've been cultivated into. Um, this lifestyle of, uh, I need it now and I'm going to get it. So I didn't want to do it. Uh, and then finally my wife said, let's just start it. So we did. And I got hooked as in most of the Marvel movies. Uh, it's, it's, there's mystery, you know, there's a bunch of Easter eggs, which I haven't gone online to actually look at uh, all the, the forums and, and research, you know, what did I miss? Um, I'm not going to watch it again until, the series is over, um, or at least the season, I mean, and, you know, I, I just, I, I know that there's things that I, I'm, I'm not catching, 
but that's that's part of the fun of it. Uh, but then it got me thinking about the differences between DC and Marvel. And I've had this conversation with others. I've had it many times. I may have even mentioned it on here. But I want to take a deeper dive into this. Now, most of the people around me, as far as fans of comic movies, um, I, I don't know a lot of people that are big fans of comic books. At least not pre-Marvel Universe. Um, you know, you got a lot of people... And that, that's great for the industry. You had a ton of people get on board with comic books after the release of Iron Man and, and the Avengers. And, you know, he went through the whole first stage of the, the um, Marvel Universe movies. But I don't know a lot of people that, that are actually diehard from that long ago. There's a guy actually at the uh, grocery store right down the street from us who's a diehard. He goes to all the Comic Cons in New York um, every year and goes to all three days. If he if he can get tickets, sometimes he you know he misses it, but he's a diehard fan and he always talks to me about uh, comic books and most of the time, I, what he like characters he comes up with go over my head, but I can kind of keep up with, with some of the stuff. But he he seems to be um, not so much a purist as in I like this set only. He he does like a whole broad range. He you're not gonna find him on either side of the Marvel or DC camp. He's he likes both of them. Uh, so he's fun to talk to, and I, I actually learn from him. But then sometimes he just comes out with things, and like I should know, but I don't. Like it's just how it feels. But that's <laughs> when you deal with anybody that knows a lot more than you do about a particular subject, it's how you're going to feel sometimes. So, and you, you only get like two minute sound bites with him because it's, you know, I'm just going to the grocery store. He gets me at like checkout. I'm, I'm done, and, you know, there's other people waiting, and he, continues talking and he's a great guy and he's fun to talk to but you know he's he's got to work and then I, I gotta get going so we don't we don't get long conversations well um i my brother is a big comic book fan um but he's the kind of comic book fan that i guess okay in order to i guess a good um comparison would be that friend in high school that you had who loved bands that you've never heard of and would only like those bands. Wouldn't like any of the mainstream bands that you heard on the radio or, or anything. Um, when I went to high school, we listened to music on the radio and CDs and stuff. Um, but you would, you would never have heard them. Um, I, I had a few friends like that, like Pixies and stuff like that, which at first I didn't know, but they, they were a bit bigger. I'm talking about more, more obscure than that. So my brother is kind of like that with comic books. And he hates he hates Marvel as far as like not not so much the comic books themselves. He doesn't particularly like them, but he doesn't like the movies or any of the the media that Marvel has put out. He likes um, he he can tolerate DC. Uh, he does like a few of their movies. He can um, appreciate some of the anime series, which DC did very well, which I'll get into in a minute. Um, but as far as that goes, now he he's that that darker uh, genre. He, he prefers things that you probably haven't heard of. And that's great. That's, you know, um, so that's the way he, he feels with comics. And in my, our household, um, my wife and I both love DC. Don't know many people that do around us. Uh, at least not as much as we do. Uh, I like the Marvel movies. They're a lot of fun. 
Um, and I, I can sometimes be a DC apologist um, when it comes to like some of the movies. Um, not all of them. There, there are some I just, they're, they're garbage in my mind. But um, like Dawn of Justice, um, uh, Batman versus Superman, I loved it. I thought it was a fantastic movie. I thought it represented the Trinity series. Um, you had the Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman line of, of movies or line of uh, comics. I think those represented pretty well. And it, it, it brought in uh, a, an accurate Wonder Woman, a Wonder Woman that is tough and, and doesn't give up. And, you know, you know, every time that um, she fought against Doomsday, she'd get knocked down but get right back up and then like smile you know and then and go right after it again and i love that that was fantastic um even even ben affleck as batman i mean a lot of people as soon as that was announced i remember seeing a a clip of him where he was reading a thing from twitter and and like the first thing that he saw was like a a fan saying no (laughs) when he was announced um but i i thought as an older batman which is what he was you know, a more seasoned Batman who's coming towards the end of his um, stint as Batman. You know, this is kind of like the the Christian Bale at the end of the Dark Knight where he um, is passing the baton to um, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character um, as becoming the new Batman. Um, it's kind of like that where he's at the end of it, uh, but he's a, a much more brutal Batman. And if you are a fan of video games, um, which I am to a point. Uh, there was a, a series called um, Arkham, Arkham Asylum. And so you had um, Batman as kind of this character where he's just brutal. You know, he's big and beefy and um, still in unbelievably intelligent and, you know, has all the gadgets, but when he hits, he hits ferociously. And, you had that with this um, version of Batman with Ben Affleck, and I think he did a great job, um, you know, destroying, you know, these bad guys in that scene where he went to went to go save uh, Martha. Um, spoiler alerts, I guess. Uh, so I, I enjoyed that. Henry Cavill, in my opinion, and it might be controversial, is probably the best Superman represented on screen. I think he does a fantastic job. He's got the size. He's got the mannerisms. He's got the looks. It it works. Uh, and, you know, I, unfortunately, it the future of him playing Superman right now doesn't seem very good. It's, it's actually quite dim. Um, but we'll get into that later. Uh, there might be hope. Um, so the DC movies... Um, for the most part, I do like them. Uh, the origin stories are good. The Justice League, when it came out, I enjoyed it until I saw the Snyder cut. And then I hate the original. Hate it. And we'll go over why. So, the difference between... One of the biggest differences between Marvel and DC in their movies... Now, there's so much I could say about what DC did wrong. And it wasn't that DC did the wrong thing. I I believe it was Warner Brothers. And, you know, I don't know the in and outs. And there's lots of rumors and, you know, people have different theories. But 
My theory is that Warner Brothers killed it because they were looking for the next big thing. They wanted to be the next Marvel. Marvel capitalized on a specific genre and a way of doing it. And, I mean, that's centered arguably around um, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. It's Or Tony Stark. It's just... I, he is Iron Man. But you know what I mean. It That was a fantastic role. They picked the perfect person. And it centered around him. Without him as Tony Stark... Uh, I don't know where they would be. Um, but, so, you know, you had, I mean, this is after um, you had success from Christopher Nolan's Batman. Great movies. Uh, the one with Heath Ledger is probably still the best. Um, Heath Ledger's role as Joker was unbelievable. And, um, you know, I don't know that you'll find a Joker that's as good on screen uh i believe mark hamill was a fantastic voiceover actor for joker and probably the best but i don't you know as far as on screen are you going to beat Heath ledger no uh can you get close i don't know jared leto is not it no offense jared leto but anyway obviously he's not listening to this so you had warner brothers looking at the success that Marvel was pumping out with the first stage of Marvel movies. And, you know, so they're going to their creative teams in um, DC and basically demanding that they get the same thing and follow suit and try to make this whole round of series where you had like the Marvel had the, the stages. Um, there's a specific name. I can't remember it. Um, you know, stage one, two, three, and it ends with Endgame. Um, but you can't reproduce something that's already working for somebody else. When technically, I mean, yes, it's a comic book movie. DC still comic books, just like Marvel, but they're not the same. Um, you know, there's so many different arguments for both sides. Um, DC, Batman in general is darker, but that's supposed to be Um that's why Batman wouldn't fit inside of the Marvel universe. But what happened was you had people like Bruce Tim, Jeff Johns. These were people that were in charge of the creative aspect of DC. And even, you know, I, I believe Jeff Johns at one point was president and he was, you know, in control of, you know, all the creative uh, stuff. And you had them working on some of these movies and that's great. You want the people that know what they're talking about dealing with these movies. But then you have higher-ups that are paying the bills in Warner Brothers putting a leash on them. And they want more comedy. They want more humor like you have in Marvel. You have those great one-liners by most of the characters by the end in uh, the Marvel series. But it starts with Tony Stark. So you have these great one-liners. They're a lot of fun. They're funny. And then everyone else, you know, has those and it makes it more fun. DC isn't so much like that. It's not so much fun like I mean it's not as fun as that. You know, it's it's more entertaining. Um but you know, so it ends up, you know, you get junky movies that people hate. Unfortunately, when you have higher-ups that are paying the bills, 
saying, no, do it more like these guys are doing it. And so you, you basically, what you're doing is stifling the creativity of the people. And, and that's kind of what happened with Zack Snyder. Um, he had unfortunately a tragedy in his life. So what happened with, well, we'll, now we'll talk about justice league and the differences. So with justice league, he shot 90 something percent of the entire movie. Right. And Warner brothers did not like it. Um, they thought it was, you know, too dark. It wasn't Marvel enough, let's say quote unquote. Um, and then he had a tragedy as his daughter ended up um, passing away, bad circumstances. And so he stepped down and immediately they went to Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon was uh, responsible for the Avengers and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And, and he has this certain writing ability and directing ability where it's very, I don't know, everything ends up being very poppy and, you can call it very Buffy, very Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's it's great for TV, not so much for movies. And so they came in, or he came in, and basically got rid of all the good stuff and made everything more campy and made it, or tried to. I mean, he, basically what he did was he took... The, the problem we had was we're basically bypassing a lot of storylines before even getting to the Avengers movie, the, at least the equivalent for DC, which is Justice League. Before the first Avengers movie, you had origin stories from Iron Man, you had Captain America, you had Thor. But for the other one, I mean, there wasn't a Batman movie, but everyone knows Batman because of all the different, you know, basically all the different styles of Batman movies that were out there with Michael Keaton. You had Christian Bale, you had um, Val Kilmer, you had all these movies already. So you, you, you knew, and every one of them did like the origin story in some way. <laughs> so you, you knew everything. And Superman, you had Man of Steel, um, but it wasn't, you know, you, you still, you knew Superman. Um, you can't, the return of Superman, that's, that's not even in the same genre. That's one of those garbage movies we're talking about before. But what they wanted to do is they wanted to introduce Flash, Cyborg, and Wonder Woman all in the same time. Now, Wonder Woman would go on and have a fantastic start in an origin story. It's probably one of the better movies in DC was that first Wonder Woman. And you knew Wonder Woman, but you didn't see her yet in this series, um, except in... Donna Justice and so you got to see a little bit of her um, you know but you didn't get a lot of a backstory but you saw the fighting so you got used to that but the the big problem was Flash and Cyborg now basically the way Joss Whedon did it it he, you kind of forced it on people you know and you didn't give much about Cyborg and what he can actually do the Flash was just like an idiot and had really terrible one-liners and looked scared. You know, looked like a kid, which he is a kid, but at the same time, when you see the Snyderverse, or his, the Snyder Cut version of the Justice League, you're like, there's a lot more depth to these characters. And, you know, it's a four-hour film. And if you haven't seen it, 
it's kind of broken down in, in different parts. So you could you know, start it and, and stop it and start again. Um, cause who has four time, four hours to, uh, to watch a movie all at one time, but you get more of the characters. You get, um, a reason why they fight or agree to, to join. You get depth in their, um, not only what they can do, but why they do it. You know what, why they are the way they are. Not, I'm not talking about how they became who they are, but you do get that. But, um, like the humanity aspect to it and you know cyborg which is the ironic version of that you know he's he was human and had humanity to the fullest as a a star athlete and a brainiac and fantastic and then he was turned into the opposite um but with all the knowledge in the world now you know at his fingertips and with you know computer speed so thankfully the snyderverse portrayed it in a way that not only was understandable but it was entertaining and informative you understood the characters more and i say that because you know i i am a dc fan i didn't watch a lot or read a lot of comic books about cyborg i knew about him i knew how he became who he was but this gave us more of a look at uh what makes him run so it was much more entertaining aquaman was a good movie and um that was a a very fun character and and i can't wait to see what they do next with him um now if you haven't seen it there are a couple spoilers um one martian manhunter makes an appearance and the way they they brought him in i liked it um there's a there's an end clip that doesn't make as much sense but you know that they're trying to get him into this um, series, um, but he's a big part of the Justice League, so it's uh, and he's an awesome character. I, I really hope that 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 works out. But so, basically, the major difference between the two, the the Joss Whedon and the Zack Snyder version, other than length of time, um, was cinematography. It that was the biggest way to to see the difference um now the dialogue between the two was unbelievably different uh the snyderverse version was so much better i mean zack snyder did such a fantastic job with storytelling with uh, dialogue and more importantly with cinematography the man knows what he's doing i mean you have um under his belt there's so many different things uh, but one would be frank miller's 300 um the style of that was just he was able to bring um, the the look of Frank Miller's comic book and put it onto the big screen. And then you had um, The Watchmen. I mean, that was... I mean, whether you like the movie or not, the way it was shot was... It was a comic book brought to life. And it, then the newest movie that he um, that has under his belt is Army of the Dead. And... Um, which is just a new Netflix um, launch of it. Uh, obviously, it's not a new movie, but it's the new version with um, Dave Bautista, who was in Marvel's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. That was a great movie. Um, now, Zack Snyder's way of filming a movie is a hundred degrees, 180-degree turn from Joss Whedon. When you look at the Avengers, 
and you look at the Justice League, Whedon's version kind of looks the same, like the two of them. Like the colors are a little bit uh, saturated. Everything is, isn't as dark as most DC movies are. Um, and it's, it's more campy, more fun. Um, it kind of looks like a TV show. When you take Zack Snyder's version, uh, you're, you're working more of a grayscale, but deep, deep colors. Um, but then every shot, and I heard this said, and it, it's completely true. If you take a still of every single frame, every frame looks as though it's taken from a comic book. You can't say that about Joss Whedon's. I mean, every single frame, it's like, it's epic. It's big, even though it was shot in 4-3 scale, which the reason he did that is because of the comic book. Like, he wanted the box look. He wanted your focus to be on what you what he wanted it to be on. He didn't want the wide version. He wanted your focus on this particular page, basically, this particular shot. He didn't want you looking all over the place. He wanted it right there. And every single still frame looks like it was taken from an epic comic book and that's just probably the biggest difference now as far as storyline the drama i mean you had a bit of comedic um aspects of it but very very minimal um and it wasn't forced it was actually a part of the dialogue and it flowed nicely in Whedon's version, it was forced. It didn't come off right. The storyline itself of how they brought Superman back, and I know, spoiler alert, again, it just worked better. Um, the interactions with all the characters worked better. In the Joss Whedon's version, it, it seemed like Batman was the bad guy, and everyone was against Batman. And every idea he had to bring the Justice League together was bad and wrong and for his selfish gains but in the Whedon version um you know he had he had to make some tough calls but other people would come up with the same conclusion as opposed to well you, this better be right otherwise you know you're the worst person you know you should die basically in the Whedon version everyone is basically on board everyone knows that in order to save the world from dark side who you know, we didn't even talk about, even mention in Whedon's version, um, in order to save the world, you needed to make sacrifices you made to make, needed to make tough calls. And, you know, you did have Cyborg with, um, you know, he had more knowledge than anyone else because he was tapped into basically everything. And, you know, he saw things that wouldn't you know, make sense. And if things went wrong, then, you know, and, and you get a glimpse of that at the end of the movie, uh, after the credits and, you know, Joker's brought in and you get a, a kind of a sense of what Cyborg was kind of alluding to and why he at the last minute was like, I don't want to bring Superman back. Um, but you know, that aside, it's the way everything was put together in Whedon's version not only saved the franchise in a way, but kind of uh, rejuvenated people's love for it. And you have 400 million views of this thing now since it's been leaked out. Not leaked, but since it was put out on HBO Max. The funny thing with that is 
So after Whedon, or not Whedon, yeah, after Whedon's version was put out, uh, Snyder did not want to see it, and someone finally got his wife to get him to do it. And his wife is, like, she's a producer with him, and she helps write, and um, so they're, they're very much a team. And she got him to look at it, and when he did, he actually started putting out clips, little snippets of his version, and it got such a massive following that the only reason it actually was able to come to HBO Max was because of the the massive support from fans and from people that wanted to see his version and hated the other version. Um, so finally, after a big push, and WB actually finally said, fine, here's $70 million, I believe it was. Do what you need to do. And he had, like, all the material was basically there like 90% done. So he really didn't have to do many reshoots. In fact, I'm not sure he did any reshoots with um, actors. It was mostly just CGI, like going through and, you know, adding things. And the man would always overshoot. And it came out to benefit him in this, um, in this way. Now, a lot of people since then have been begging for the Snyderverse to come back and for him to take over again and, and, you know, to push everyone else aside and go here, do what you do your dream. Because I mean, he, he loves this genre and he wanted to, he wants to do more. WB does not want him to, um, they just don't want it. And, you know, over the last few months, it's gone back and forth since the release, you know, People are saying, oh, it could happen. You know, maybe they'll do it. And no, no, no. But I think one of the biggest um, upsides to or biggest positive notes is honestly from a major motion movie star. And that would be The Rock. Now, The Rock has a movie coming up that he's actually been in. He's been slated for since 2007, which is before. Iron Man, before Marvel even went on, WB wanted um, The Rock to play The Atom, or Black Atom. And this is before the, the Rock became as big as The Rock is right now. Not just movie, but like stature. I mean, this guy is massive. I mean, he is a comic book character in real life. And so The Rock has actually been saying... Now, Henry Cavill, I'll go back to him, um, again... Superman, probably the best there is. Um, he was out, right? He he actually after um, Justice League was done, he went on to do The Witcher. He's a big, uh, supposedly a, a big gaming fan and um, a, a video game fan. And he he wanted to uh, to do The Witcher. They didn't want him for it. Or the creative people behind The Witcher didn't want him to do it. But then he you know got buff for Superman continued that the buffness and um you know went back and forth with you know different ways to portray the character and they finally they they loved it and it, it's a big hit um but his future as superman was basically over and even recently it was you know wbs severed ties um he has not he wants to continue to play that character um he understands the role He's very good at it. He loves the character. He wants to continue doing it. The Rock 
wants Henry Cable to continue doing it. Why is that important? First of all, you have... The Rock is a certain stature, not just physically, but monetarily. The man, any movie he's in in the last few years, is making hundreds of millions of dollars. The franchise, The Fast and the Furious, I mean, they're they're pumping out billions of dollars with their um, their intake from you know global sales. The Rock generates money. That's a big deal for the WB. I mean, the the Rock basically has carte blanche, and he can basically take anything and make it a project. So he's now he he was asked, you know, recently supposedly to you know calm down a bit about talking about the Snyderverse, but he has gone on repeatedly on Twitter and in different shows and. And, and different venues and has said that he wants to fight Henry Cavill. He, he wants Black Adam to fight Henry Cavill's Superman. I think if, if we have any chance of seeing Henry Cavill or even bigger picture, seeing the Snyderverse come back and to fruition, it's going to be through the, the push of the rock. And if that ends up happening the rock is actually going to take he's saying that he wants to take like producer roles in these movies and be a part of the team that brings it not only to light but like the creative aspect behind it he wants to be you know all the way through i really hope that works because i mean he's a force to be reckoned with and if anyone can do it honestly it's him if anyone can can convince going back full circle a, a company that is looking to get money to make serious money like Warner Brothers if anyone's able to do that it's the money making machine himself The Rock so we'll see what happens um, uh, I just re- reading a, a recent article um, uh, what was it on uh, Screen Rant it was talking about um, Zack Snyder was saying that Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam could fit into his version of the Snyderverse. And, you know, obviously he's going to say that right now because his only saving grace right now is The Rock. And he's going to, you know, make anything he can do to make it work. Um, He's going to. I think he's seen parts of the Black Adam uh, through The Rock and, you know, loves it. So we'll see what happens. Um, So far, WB, as as recent as yesterday, June 5th is saying, no, the Snyder cut is, is not going to be part of, uh, the, the new DC canon. We'll, we'll see what happens though. I really hope they do. Um, DC has done animated, right? You know, they were, Marvel cannot, Marvel doesn't even come close to holding a candle to DC's version of, um, animated series. The Justice League animated series was great. It really was. It was, but you had people like Jeff Johns again. You had Bruce Tim. You had creative directors that are involved that have actually written and have drawn these comics in the past, um, involved heavily into the directing and producing and writing of these shows. So you would think that you know a major corporation like WB would actually give them more creative rights and, you know, more rope basically, um, to, 
make what they know is right. But so far, DC is not doing that. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, the future as it is right now, you have an Aquaman movie coming out. Um, like I said, you have the Black Adam coming out. I don't know when. Like, all these are slated for, like, 2022 or 2023. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, recently I've heard that they're talking about replacing Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Seems like a mistake, but we haven't heard who they're going to replace her with. I don't know. She's, as far as I'm concerned, the best Wonder Woman out there. Um, it fits the role and, you know, um, in, even the lineage, you know. But who knows? We'll see. Um, so, I mean, I think I hit on the major points that I wanted to. Um, the Snyder Cut version of Justice League was a lot better. And it, in my opinion, showed you what a comic book movie should be like. It, how, what it should look like like the Watchmen like 300 um, the the movie 300 was a comic book by Frank Miller like I said before I have the book the graphic novel I should say it's not a comic book it's a graphic novel and um, it on screen it looks like it did in the comic book it's the, the colors everything just the filters that Zack Snyder uses I mean it just works you know it's it's not happy-go-lucky it's it's dark and it's brooding and it's strong and bold and the colors are just they fit you know so i don't know i'm i'm ranting for probably too long but um that's what i wanted to say about that okay i would be remiss if i didn't share at least one fun fact so here we go in 2006 a man tried to sell the country of New Zealand. A man from Australia, a citizen, attempted to sell the country of New Zealand in May 2006 on eBay. The bid had reached $3,000 before it was taken down due to a violation of eBay's policy. <laughs> he doesn't own New Zealand. The, it was His starting bid was one Australian dollar. <laughs> he was like... <laughs> He just I apparently hates New Zealand and uh I guess thought very little of it and said one penny. And uh, it was on for a little while. It got up to three thousand dollars before eBay said no way. And um in it, uh, uh in the in like eBay's little uh um blurb to, to press it said clearly New Zealand is not for sale and uh the Winston Peters, who was Wellington's foreign minister at the time, said, I don't think it's funny. It is nonsensical stupidity. It's hilarious, regardless of the fact that it's illegal and, you know, it didn't actually go through. It was a very funny stunt. And uh, I, however long it lasted was, was probably well worth it to the guy that did it. So let that be uh, a lesson to you. If you don't own something, you can't sell it. I mean, you can try, though. Who wants to try? Somebody try, please. Okay, that's the end of the show this week again. And as always, I really appreciate everyone who listens and who's sharing. Um, please send me more comments. I would love to, to hear what you have to say. and I'd love to answer some questions on air. And um, thank you again. I, I don't know. I, I can't say it enough. Um, please check out nogreenings.com. Go to Facebook slash facebook.com slash no green eggs podcast 
Um, I have a page there. I also have a Patreon and I have a fans page on uh, Facebook as well as the community page. So please go on, leave some comments, uh, tell us what you like and what you don't like, and uh, you know we'll respond. Um, we're a little podcast at the moment, so right now I get to actually uh, you know communicate with people. So please do, and I will. And uh, see you, not see you. This has been another episode of No Green Eggs. Editing is done by Eovino Consulting. Producers for the show are me, myself, and I. The musical director is Donnie Ronaldo, who wrote and performed the theme song on a guitar that I gave him because I don't know how to play. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you're using to listen to us ramble on about nothing and share the podcast with your friends. You can also send us a message or submit a question through nogreeneggs.com or by emailing us at nogreeneggspodcast at gmail.com.